Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Lewis. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption. And today we do it. It's Tuesday. That means Jay Truett comes up out of a, are you in a Missouri bunker? Where are you at, Jay Truett? Nope. Nope. I'm at the top of a mountain in Colorado. Oh. Is there snow up there? Yes. It's cold. Felt like snow the last two days here, although it was 45 and raining. No, it's it's cold and snowy um, over the last couple of days. So, no, we're, uh, uh, I have, uh, I have uh, part of my family lives up here in the mountains. And so uh, we decided to do Thanksgiving in the mountains this year. So everybody came in. We're all uh, we're all here doing the whole shebang. They're they went sledding yesterday. They're skiing tomorrow. Tomorrow, I think, and uh, and then uh, I know she said will... they. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. A, I'm not going to ski down the mountain. I try to avoid being in a place that I know will cripple me. I got a you know? daughter that. Suddenly, she just lives for skiing and snowboarding, and uh, she now lives 15 minutes from where she can do that. But uh, right, I, I'm constantly saying, Libby, what's the wisdom in sliding down a hill and then going back up the top so you can do it again? I I, I don't get that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit like swinging, except that you can freeze to death while doing it. You know, it, yeah, I mean, it's well, just rinse it, and repeat kind of thing. It's rare that somebody swinging crashes into a tree and gets a concussion. Yeah, at 90 <laughs> miles an hour, right? Yeah. No. I, hey, more I mean, I, people who can do that. Yeah. I My grandkids are uh, uh, very accomplished skiers, and uh, that part of the that, – that whole chunk of the family spends a good time of the year, you know, on mountain skiing. They all love it, and, and uh, it's a big part of their life, and we're glad to – stop making them go i mean i've forced them to come to puerto rico once uh, during ski season and that was kind of painful right for them so uh uh it is what it is it's good and uh, i like being around all the grandkids are you close to meeker uh no we're just outside of silver silverton oh, silverton yeah 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 i started talking to hank yesterday uh because he found some sheep that work into his breeding program, some Dooney uh-huh. Merino sheep that originate in Australia. And cool. the Theos family have them and Meeker and Hank just bought six huh. little bucks. And I was very fortunate to actually speak in Meeker several times, but one time Nick Theos right. was in my audience. I had huh. to look it up. He's been gone 10 years. Yeah. Did wow. you ever know the story of Nick Theos? Not really, but I knew, obviously knew of him for sure. You know the famous quote that he made in a meeting put on by the Fish and Wildlife talking about predator control on sheep and how they were going to go out and uh, sterilize the predators instead of kill them. I can't say what Nick Theos actually said, but he yeah. stood up and he I was said, just going to be intrigued by how you were going to describe the whole thing. <laughs> I can, think you misunderstand, mister. <laughs> the, 
the coyotes aren't screwing our sheep. They're eating them. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's a, there's like, a, there used to be a poster of that in the National Cattlemen's Beef Association office in D.C. Oh, Somebody right? had actually made up like a little poster of it. Yeah. And it, it was to his credit. So. We miss guys they, like that. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, that's kind of part of the whole, uh, the, it's like part of the discussion that takes place this time of year. People would like to have this like real reflection of history and, and how we got where we are and et cetera, et cetera. You can't be thankful for something unless you acknowledge what that something is. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and so when you get together, I, now I find myself right. I'm the old guy at the table uh and so uh, i used to be works. the young guy and i was you know you're yeah. just listening to the uncles talk and uh and your aunts and uncles or older cousins but uh uh i'm the uh i'm the top of the that particular heap now and uh and i, I do think it's important right so it's a great time for you to talk to kids that won't really understand what you're what you're saying maybe uh today but if you say it every every so often they'll eventually at some point it'll sink in how we got here and what made us different and what what was unique um etc cetera, etc cetera. what have we been lied to about you know and what have we not just been about lied everything to about? yeah uh, we we did have a pretty active conversation over the last couple of days about how most of the history that most of us learned is honestly pretty inaccurate. Yeah. Um, and the the generic history that we find in history books may be uh, maybe technically well. Honestly, I can't. I don't think I can even say that. I started to say is technically correct, but not accurate in in the complete view. It's not even technically correct uh, in most cases. They have the they have the wrong people doing the wrong things for the, the wrong reason in most cases so it's just a you know it, it's a uh, i want my grand i want my grandkids to have their eyes wide open uh to that kind of stuff my my children and their spouses seem to have their eyes wide open that's uh and so we we don't have to cross those hurdles first uh at the conversation but it's well, like you can Hank tell the indoctrination yesterday. in school Hank said yesterday, well, he says it on a regular basis, but it's so, so true, is that history is written by the victor. Yeah. So you don't get the true account. You get the rendition that the, the person who won wants you to hear. Well, and yeah, and I think uh, the United States may be one of the first countries on planet Earth that uh, that uh, was established and created itself and uh is now trying to dismiss most of what really happened over the first hundred or so years of its growth and development and its creation, et cetera, et cetera, or 200 years of that, even though some of it, some of it's pretty dark, right? And some right. of it is pretty, pretty light. Uh, the United States brought a light into the world that was truly unique at that time. And, uh, and still, is uh, is fairly unique. I still believe in American exceptionalism. I don't apologize for that. No, absolutely. Um, and and I uh, 
but we, you know, we uh, we let it slip because uh, we're trying to we're trying to tell a uh, we're trying to tell a different story, almost even for a different reason now, somehow, right? And that's uh, if you listen to your kids, I I mean, I encourage everyone to sit and really have. You can't drill them because they'll clam up on you, right? But I'm not telling people how to be a parent, but I am a little bit, right? You. You're going to have to allow your kids to really tell you what their teachers are telling them in school and allow them to just talk for a little while and ask gentle questions so that you can kind of coax them out. Because I, I get the sense that we're, that, that we're in this mode where we want, we don't even really want to talk about what we can't talk about, you know, and, uh, it's a, it's a real thing though. You know, it's often that students will say, and I probably did the same thing, that let's just take history, for example, because all of a sudden now I try to be the best history buff I can possibly be. And in school, it's easy for kids to say, I just don't like studying history. In fact, I have one of them in my house. Well, she's not in my house anymore, but she's been in my house. She comes back to my house. And I think about that and I'm like, if there's a kid who thinks history is boring, then you got a teaching problem because you yeah. should be able to teach history in a way. And I think every subject is that way. Every subject Pretty can much. be boring or every subject yeah. can be tremendously exciting and try to see what we're going to discover next, because that's what education is, the path of discovery. And how do you accomplish right. that path of discovery? That's the moral of the story. Jay Truitt, we'll take a break. We'll be back with the second leg of the journey. Roll route on a Tuesday leading up to Thanksgiving 2023 after this. I want to talk about the beef business right out of the gate. Certified Piedmontese is the tender supply of beef. I don't just say that. That's not just a marketing slogan. It's documented by genetic test of every single animal because the Piedmontese breed itself possesses the myostatin gene. What does that matter to you, the consumer? You know every time you buy beef from Certified Piedmontese, it is going to be tender. That's what you need to know. Test the theory. It's not theory. It's documented. Test it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. CPBeef.com. Here's the deal. You don't need to run to the store. Just have it delivered to your door. Oh, my goodness, I just came up with something. You don't need to run to the store. Just have it delivered to your door. CPBeef.com for the most. And here's the other caveat. It comes from cattlemen in the Great Plains of America. CPBeef.com. And when you go to the store, you'll find... There's more than just beef here. You can get all of your protein needs. Details once again, cpbeef.com. Buy from the Great Plains Cattlemen. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Jay Truett. For those of you tuning in, uh, wondering where Andrew is at, Andrew, for some reason, you know, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving, by the way. And he seems to be in overdrive. I think actually what happened, Jay, is that he came and goofed around in the United States for 10 days. And um, you know how you, you know what it's like this week when you're trying to get everything ready to leave for Thanksgiving or wherever you're going to go, whatever's going to happen, take a couple of days off. And then the workload ahead of time and the workload after time, it's like, what? we shouldn't have taken it off. We should just work through it. Oh, I think that's what yeah. Andrew's experiencing and why he's not joining us. He is joining me every morning on Across the Pond. Or he just is tired of Jay. One of the two. I don't know. You uh, it could be it could be just me. <laughs> I prefer to go with this. That 
he feels comfortable with me speaking on behalf of Scotland. Oh, you know what? That's I, yeah. That if he right. knew you said that right now, he'd, <laughs> he'd be, be here back in three on minutes. the program right this second. <laughs> right? Yeah, he'd be walking out of the biggest meeting, sales meeting of the year, so that he could uh, he could yeah. go. Oh no 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 no. I and maybe even he needs to send me a kilt. I don't know. Right. I, Speaking of kilts, you know what this is? I now have an empty can behind my my desk. Oh yeah. You know what oh, that the is? Scotch ale. The that is loose. The first consumed can of Scotch Ale in this house on the loose Scotch Ale Lazy Horse Brewing. We had our That's launch Friday cool. night. Jay Truitt, it could not have gone any better. It was fantastic. I will I will tell I listen, I will put a pitch in for you on this as well. And this is listen, I know people probably won't believe this when I say it. Completely unsolicited. But um Trent sent me um a, a, a care package after um after the the trips that that we had all been on and uh time out uh, i Trent, ate... tr- t- whoa 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 trent didn't send you anything <laughs> oh that's probably the boss kelly <laughs> kelly put together yeah, kelly a care did... package to say thank you was, i'm not was... taking any credit where just no, i don't belong it was this it really was an insight it where a couple of uh a couple of one of them was a rendition of me and one of my grandkids and the other one uh, of my father that was done in metal that are that are art true works of art we have them up in our home they're beautiful things and and of course then we got i think probably some of the leftover little pigs that were uh, <laughs> a part of the uh, uh raffle process but we also got several packages of that uh that jerky right. holy cow brother that is some amazingly good stuff amazingly good and for those of you in Colorado, you can stop in at High Plains Kettle Supply. Robert and Ashley Farnham have a supply of that jerky all oh, the yeah. time. Walk through the door, go to the right where the pegboard's at, take off some salt, uh, sea salt and black pepper or original right there. Hey, yeah, I do that have to black spend, pepper is good stuff, though. I do have to spend a minute and um, let you know that Mike Smith from Holdridge, Nebraska, Smithsky Welding made those cutouts of you and your father. And uh, we had them in brush, and we're going to make a special presentation to you, but it wasn't in the card, yeah. so you got them via post yeah. service. No, it was, those are, those. Uh, that's amazing work when people can do stuff like that, right? It's just very cool. And uh, my, uh, we're, uh, I probably should allow somebody else in the family, really, honestly, to have the one of my dad, but no, I'm keeping it. It stays in my <laughs> office from here on, so. Well, uh, no, it's a very cool, it's a very uh, cool work of art. And, and I'm going to say this in the most affectionate way possible from man to man. Uh, Mike doesn't have all of the toys and bells and whistles that other people have when they make metal cutouts. He does it from right. sheer talent. Yeah. I See, and that's, that that's even more so, right? And it just, again, it's a, just a very cool thing. And I, uh, 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 you know, we all of us do a lot of stuff to try to talk about the issues that are going on in in this in this exact discussion. I've spent my lifetime, so have you, talking about the problems between rural and urban America. And sometimes we we actually forget what is the cornerstone of rural America that really is what makes it all work, and it is the 
hardcore family units and the communities and finding the people that have just that unique skill, right, that are in your community that can do things that make your community different. There's a reason why communities differ from each other, and it's because the different skills that people have. And you lose that in urban America. I live in both, and I and I spend a, a lot of time in both. It, uh, it, it's it's you know the they're artisans and uh, uh, but they're also our neighbors, right? And so they don't really think anything about a lot of times just almost giving away that talent, right? And and allowing you to have something that really nobody else could have done quite like that in that same way. It's a cool thing, and I think it's, again, the cornerstone of our society in real America, and that's what makes us a little bit different. I've had uh, a lot of people, including my mother, who, Jay, have said, what the heck are you doing messing with the beer? And by the way, it's not for money. There's no money in this. But what it is about, and you just kind of went to it without knowing you went to it, is that on the loose Scotch ale will only be available in places of people that I know the owners or we'll get to know the owners. I don't have to know them today, but it is, it is available in those small places, whether it be retail or off sale at the at a local uh, pub and restaurant cafe. It is going to be available in places that are the embodiment of what rural communities are. It's right. not going to be available in those big box stores on the edge of town. I won't let it happen, but it will be available right. in the the fabric of what makes rural America what it truly is. And, and, and when, and when it's that, available, you know, I'm going to go in there, Jay, and I'm going to broadcast from there. And I'm going to put that small business that's owned by these people in the community up in lime in the limelight. And 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 the and the beauty of that, I think that's great, number one. But the beauty of that is is that it forces people that hear about it or want to try it to go to that place. You can't experience something from just from seeing a picture or reading about it or no, uh, right. some some short on on a on a social media channel, right? It's not that's not how you're supposed to live life. You uh, there again, as I said, we came we came to Colorado because some of the grandkids have never skied. Some of them ski every day, literally almost, uh, for most of the year. Some of them have never skied. Some of them have never slid down a really big mountain on snow, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and our goal was to try to make sure that the entire family understands everybody's perspective and that it's not, it's not about trying to push people one way or another. This is not some sort of propaganda thing. We're not all saying, hey, you better learn to ski or you can't move to Colorado because the whole family's going to do it. No, it is about just understanding who it is that's your favorite person in the world. Yeah. Because a couple of those kids are, are like inseparable, but they have these separate lives, right? So let them understand the rest of that component. It, it, I doubt my grandson from, uh, uh, Washington D.C. is gonna be a skier. He just not. He's kind of like his granddad in the fact that you know what, Snow and him not friends. They're just not, <laughs> and so that's great. Uh, but so be it. You know, he knows what it's about. Uh, it's kind of the whole reason that most of us end up taking taking people hunting and fishing and doing those experiences. But it is those experiences and that ale 
can become one of those centerpieces of an experience for somebody to come out and go like, dang, this is good stuff, right? Yeah. But I can only get it here. Right. That's absolutely how it works. Good. I'm, I, I hope you, I hope you like nail that, nail that into, uh, into every, uh, every, every aspect of that that you can, right? It just anything that draws people out. I don't want city people to move to the country. I want them to appreciate what we do. By the way, I've got a couple of places in Omaha that are going to do this, but they're places yeah. where I'm talking to the guys that own the establishment yeah. because it's still about that small business approach instead of just the cookie cutters. Yeah. No, yeah, right. It is about it is about the values that go into that, right? That that's the conversation yeah. that has to start. And you would like this place, the first one in Omaha, Jay. It's called the Bulls and the Bears. Go figure, huh? huh? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Do we'll a little be back. Trade swapping. Second half. <laughs> no trading was done on the floor at the time of the beer consumption. <laughs> we'll be back with the second half of On the Loose. No, wait, it's roll out after this. Let's talk about sprayer technology, Apache sprayers, not only the sprayer itself. But it's only as good as the people who stand behind and provide service. Simpson Farm Enterprises, second to none. And I'm not telling you that because they're a partner in this project. I'm telling you that because I have worked with them for now over 10 years, and I see time and time again what they do with their customers. They have loyalty to Simpsons because they get the job done when a time when you need it. That's what the thing. When you're in the service of equipment, it's not like, oh, we'll get to it. No, we need it now. SimpsonFarm.com. High Plains Apache, a partner in the process. That is also the Apache sprayers of the Northern Plains. High Plains Apache lives up to the service reputation that Simpsons have created. HighPlainsApache.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Jay Truitt on a Tuesday before Thanksgiving. What else is going on in your world? Hey, well, it's uh the the whole aspect of what's going on in Washington, right, has like driven people insane, I think, over the last uh last couple of weeks. And um you 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 had to intentionally tried to ignore the news of of uh the kind of the break that's taken place inside the GOP. Uh I think it's probably more temporary. It's not a permanent thing, but just people uh finally had enough and and uh near fist the cuff kind of activity last week as they were trying to get out of town um a lot of people don't like john boehner but john boehner uh did have some really interesting words of wisdom um occasionally that he that survived time and uh one of them was is that members of congress shouldn't spend more than three weeks at a time together um and uh from his perspective it was about going back and listening to constituents and spending time you know building the relationship that you have with your own constituents but also um you just put that many egotists and uh, narcissist people in one place at one time and it's uh it starts turning south at some point and uh and i think that's kind of what happened uh, over the last week or so, Dennis, uh, everybody gets upset because Speaker Johnson uh, was able to figure out how to craft another stopgap bill. That's fine, right? Um, 
I know some of the conservatives are probably going to get angry because they think that they didn't get a cut as a result of that, that there are no cuts that take place when you just do stopgap measures. But as long as you're continuing and just extending previous year's budgets and, and the spending requirements, that means you're not doing a lot of the automatic increases that take place. And that really does save us money. The real, the real measure of their position is whether or not when they do the, 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 the next package, which will probably be in February-ish uh, time period after this, after the end of the year uh, process, um, then that's, that's the one that really tells the tale whether or not they really want to cut. Because most of the time what they do is go back and fund that backwards. Uh, we don't want them to do that. We want them to just start from there and move forward. Uh, but And at least get some cuts in their, uh, behind their belt and reestablish new baselines once in a while on man what we call mandatory spending. Uh, but really, none of it is mandatory spending. Congress can change it however they want to. But um, we we could do that. Farm bill got extended. Uh, right and uh, for for a full year that gives them another year to to do nothing um, and not really ride a new farm bill which I don't know whether that's even a relevant subject matter but it's not uh, it's completely the, irrelevant it's just all yeah. uh, propaganda and, and rhetoric it's Get it's become it. a pattern it, yeah, well it's become a pattern that everybody has kind of just uh, adopted into their normal business lifestyle now and you can make an argument pro and con on it. Most of mine are con because I don't really believe that the government ever helps really in anything that they do. But we, with that said, there are a couple things that we probably still need to work on. There's some issues over milk terms and definitions and stuff that do need to be addressed. And, and, uh, and I, I'm always kind of hopeful that we can improve the nutrition propaganda that's coming out of USDA but every time I get hopeful about that I'm I'm sadly uh, sadly not surprised when they come out with something even more ridiculous like some vegetable that we can't eat because it doesn't fit whatever their diet narrative is of the moment uh, but uh, we we don't really need a farm bill to do those most of those things. We could we can craft most of that outside of if, if we really wanted to, if we really needed to. So since 1976, the USDA Food Guide Pyramid, whatever you want to call it today, in today's world, which now is done with Health and Human Services, has contributed to the increase in chronic disease and pain instead of alleviating any problem whatsoever. It would be better off if it just ceased to exist. In fact, we should call for a cease and disorder. What, what's that What's that legal term? Cease and desist order. Yeah, cease, cease and, and desist, desist order. order. Yeah. That's a great idea. That could be a good idea. For I'm going to find time. somebody willing to play along. Yeah. That is a good idea, actually. I'm kind of now I feel bad that I haven't thought of that before. Well, it's documented. I came up with it. I mean, I know today and around some fire at a ski lodge at Silverstone, you're going to say, you know what we ought to do? Yeah. Not find find an attorney that'll put a cease and disorder against the USDA on their food guide system. I know you will. Well, yeah, like ski slopes aren't covered with uh, attorneys anyway. Some ski (laughs) and the rest of them waiting to file suit against somebody for something that happened it you know though i again 
so the 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 conversation the 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 real story that took place last week was that there was no story except that once again the media had hyped this thing up right the mainstream media hyped normal americans up to the point that people started asking questions like wait are you going to stop get, sending a social security check is my is my medicare not going to work am i going to have to buy my own insurance again am i going to have to do this well the soldiers aren't going to get paid or, yeah. or you know i mean and and the truth is None of that stuff was really on the table. None of that stuff was almost never at r real risk. And there, there is, uh, there, while there's no such thing as true permanent law, you can change any law. There are laws that don't expire, which are called permanent law in Washington, D.C. And usually those are laws that other laws are built upon. And things like Social Security payments are permanent law. So, and now that they're done electronically, the whole thing is automated to the point that if nobody was there, it doesn't mean that, it only means that you can't sign up for the program, maybe. Uh, yeah. It doesn't mean anything else. And uh, meanwhile... Oh, I'm sure you can, can sign up back, at home, because they seem to be pretty aggressive to want people to sign up. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a way for, there, there, I'm sure there's a way to get it done no matter what, right? If it were to be a long, drawn-out process, but... Uh, I'm not a social security uh, participant, so uh, it. But I do have members of the family that are right, and, and I understand that it's a kind of a cornerstone of how they how they survive. But uh, at, or it's an important financial tool that they have in their toolbox. But uh, with that said, you you know we have we have just we keep buying into this hype that's not real and again it's like the history discussion that we had in the beginning right um in this particular case it's not even told by the victors it's told by the tyrant and the tyrant is not really the federal government it has become the media uh, that we uh, that we pay attention to the media manipulates the, the the political structure as much as the political structure manipulates the media and neither we're supposed to be manipulating each other at all. They're supposed to, uh, one of those is supposed to be investigating the other and, uh, and, and calling it to the carpet. But just this, just this last weekend, um, a, a great example of how that just doesn't happen. A small little, uh, a small little, little news outlet down in Dallas, Texas, uh, that has taken over, um, uh, a bunch of the, the uh, readership from a long-established but very liberal newspaper in the Dallas Morning News, the Dallas Express, with the technology that is available to today, has taken away a bunch of their yeah. readership. And they went to a congressional meeting uh, where a, a member of Congress that got elected here a couple of three cycles ago and defeated a long-term Republican setting member in Pete Sessions, but Colin Allred, who was before that nothing more than a, a professional football player who really hadn't played much professional football, uh, but had made the team. I give him, granted, he had skills as, a, I think, a tight end, um, um, but happened to have been uh, of a skin persuasion, right, that the media there in Dallas wanted to see 
uh, a black member of Congress from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Right. Uh, Houston had one. El Paso's had one. Uh, but Dallas was kind of missing one, and they chose to go after Pete Sessions, and they found Colin Allred there. Well, Colin Allred has had some really interesting ties with some imams and Islamic extremists that have a, a, a temple set up in the in the region, and uh, or a mosque uh, in the region, and uh, they have been openly call been calling for the genocide of the Jewish nation. And uh, for a couple of decades now, it's not even something that's new. They didn't get on the bandwagon, uh, you know, just when Israel and Palestine, uh, the Palestinians uh, came into conflict. This has been going in perpetuity for these guys. And the Dallas, the, the Dallas Morning News refuses to talk about it. The local TV stations refuse to talk about it. The Dallas Express, on the other hand, at least had the guts to just ask the question. You get a lot of political support from these guys. You've endorsed them. Not just them endorse you. You've endorsed them in return and uh, and their ideology. And he just he just looked at the reporter and refused to answer the question, and nobody even reported that. Had that been a GOP member that... Yeah. Um, had was too close of friends with some hardcore far right, you know, name your denomination, a uh, 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 pastor somewhere that had called for the extermination of a race of people for the last ten years from a pulpit. That would have been the lead on he'd, every single yeah, paper in America. Tried and hung by noon tomorrow in the press. Yeah. We got to go to oh, the yeah. last segment, Roll Route J Truck, right after this. Have you checked out the information from Dr. Nathan Bryan yet about the health and wellness that you choose to be a part of? Nitric oxide should be a, a vital part. If you're not taking a nitric oxide supplement every single day, I'm telling you right now, you're deficient in nitric oxide. Your cardiovascular system is at risk. Your mental health is at risk. I'm, I'm just going to go out there and say that. And, of course, all other things that blood makes flow is at risk. Get the details from Dr. Nathan Ryan about nitric oxide, NO2U. NO, number two, letter U. Put Trent as the coupon code. That means you pay no shipping. That's the deal. Don't listen to me. Go listen to the expert who is called around the world to talk about healthy living through nitric oxide. I wonder if I can get Dr. Nathan Bryan to come to the National Western that big weekend of January. I don't know. We'll find out. I'll ask him. NO2U.com. Trent is your coupon code. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside Jay Truitt. And for those of you wondering, tomorrow we will continue with the tradition. I believe it's now 13 years. Melissa Hart has joined me the day before Thanksgiving from North Adams, Michigan. So J.C. Cole will be tuned tune in Friday if you want to hear J.C. Cole. Of course, he had to add, if we survive. <laughs> yeah, if we survive. Yeah. I I, I only have, I do have a couple of things that I think people, it's maybe it's too late to do this, but next year when you get to this week and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do about Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, here, here's the best way to prepare a turkey is that you, you buy a frozen turkey. 
I like turkey producers, right? You buy a frozen turkey and you put it in your freezer in October sometime or whenever they they go on sale. But you pick, you decide when you buy the thing. Um, and you also buy a prime rib. And you put them right side by side in the freezer. And then when this week comes along, you you reach in to thaw one of them out. Don't, don't, don't pay attention to the turkey, but pick up the prime rib. Eat the prime rib for thanks. That should be our new tradition in America is that we eat prime rib for, or a standing rib, or maybe uh, uh, for pork families if you want to go that route. Um. You know, I don't know that a I never thought about really this. enough. But you just brought up something. I well, no, I don't think we, we can don't say re- beef doesn't really have its holiday like. I that, was gonna right? say that, but uh, literally Memorial Day has become a beef holiday. I gotta say, it's a burger grilling thing. And yeah, grilling Memorial thing. Day is like the kickoff to the beef consumption summer. Yeah. But let, let's it, admit but Thanksgiving that, could be the kickoff to the pork and beef consumption winter. Well, Hank is not going to go along with that because Hank is going to tell you. He, as he, he wants did the Lego lamp. Yeah, he wants yeah, the Lego lamp rack. because, yeah. uh, I mean, ultimately Thanksgiving go with that. is all I about do. Christianity. If you really go back to the core of people leaving the Church of England and obviously the birth of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus, all of that. Lamb should be, you know, featured, and it gets yeah. left down to the equation. Somewhere I'm gonna have there. lamb. Yeah, I'm gonna have lamb for uh, Christmas this year. That's just how it's gonna be. I have, I have, I still have trouble sourcing lamb unless I, you know, do it direct, which is almost in, yeah. in parts of the country where I'm at most of the time. It's really difficult in Puerto Rico. It's virtually impossible. It's can, really hard to get lamb. I can source Rico. lamb by taking eight steps in that direction. Yeah. See, no, <laughs> I get that. <laughs> and I and that's actually probably one of our solutions long term is that we'll just end up just raising a get a dozen users so to do cleanup and and uh, okay and, that uh, bodes a question then when you get a dozen use are you going to go with Dorper's Katatons or are you going to have something you have to shear? No, I'm 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 not gonna I don't want to shear anything. So yeah, see, I'm, you're going to go with yeah. the hair sheep. Yeah. My my father did that for uh, a good long while, right? And he uh, because he just did he had grown up having to shear sheep, right? And so understood what a job it can be. Um, and if you live in an area where you have professionals that do it, and they you know they make the circuit in your area, man, it's a great thing. But if not, <laughs> we, if gee, we have. Shear- we have a few listeners in Australia that would qualify for living in an area where there's professionals that do that. <laughs> it's a it's like wrestling a, a greased toddler in the bathtub, you know. Yeah. Uh it is a, it is a it's a real workout. And uh you it I'm getting old enough that I'm just not gonna do it. But no, I I'll be looking to probably uh, make that transition here before, sooner than most people might think. I know that HEB has a good selection of lamb, yeah. but I also know that they're pretty proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. And they do a good job marketing lamb even too, right? And I mean, a lot of people yeah. that kind of have lamb in the store, they don't really 
they don't really push it because they just park it at the end of one of the counters. Uh, but no, they do a they do a pretty aggressive job of marketing lamb. But it's because they, woo, wow, their margin is real. Yeah, and, and uh, for those listening in Minnesota, wondering what the heck is HEB? That's the yeah. the big. I think it's owned by the employees, isn't it? Of Texas, the main yeah, kind of employee yeah. owned Texas grocery they outlet. It. Yeah, they do a it's great a big, job. It's a yeah, it's a big thing in Texas, and they do a lot of their own private label stuff. And a lot of sourcing from uh, local local production systems, but and in that case, like local can also include New Mexico, which is one of the still one of the sheep sheep driver states, right? So and Colorado touches uh, just a teeny tiny little midget somewhere. Colorado, I'm Colorado was part of Texas at one point. Colorado still everything was part of Texas at one point. Everything west of yeah, Mississippi. But yeah. from a total sheep inventory, Colorado has to be number one in the nation. I used to keep that all at the front of my mind. I think I think it still is. You Well, because there's just the so many sheep feedlots in but, Colorado and yeah. a third of all uh processing in the nation and the lamb world's in Colorado. Yeah. But at one point, the sheep and goat capital of the United States was San Angelo, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, and but part of that, a lot of those animals didn't necessarily come come from or stay in Texas. They went through San Angelo, and uh, and it was just a hub of that that marketing activity. I don't know that it still is because I think our uh. just the technology has changed a lot of the way we market animals today, but. Oh, I should look at the video source before, etc. I should look at the source before I uh are they going to tell you that Wyoming or No, Wyoming is not. Actually, it's saying that uh, Texas still is number 1 in terms of sheep numbers. Total production? Yeah, 740,000. There California, uh, I, California it, it 2, Colorado 3. I will tell you it's a pretty interesting dynamic when you start driving around in Certain places in Texas, especially eastern Texas, you, where this whole homesteading thing has uh, has kind of re-exploded, a lot of those people have gone back to, to sheep. And uh, just from uh, the uh, the ease of handling and, and, uh, and frankly, the profitability uh, of marketing them. And again, you have a, a big-time buyer uh, that that is willing to jump in and, and dominate the market like HEB. Uh, HEB dominated, dominated the market on briskets for years and years uh, nationwide just by being so aggressive in the way that they, uh, they did business. And uh, I would guess that maybe they're doing that as well. Again, again, you don't see them. Uh, there's no lamb uh, uh, that is uh, on discount. They move it. They sell it. It disappears, and uh, again, um, their their margin is pretty high on that product. But it is generically comes through some programs that are locally driven, and and uh, maybe uh, maybe that's something that'll catch on. Again, I'm all about it. Uh, the, my point is, I think we ought uh, I think we ought to uh, the red meat industry, which I still consider pork to be part of, even though they tried hard. 10 years ago or now 30 years ago, I guess, really, 
to call themselves the other white meat. I I refuse to let them go uh, peacefully into the night. It's red meat, and uh, I think we should make red meat the meat of uh, of winter as well as summer. And then we'll let chicken just fill in what's left. I don't think we need uh, to let chicken fill in anywhere except for breakfast as an egg. All right, so yeah, now good. I've I've d- done a better job at looking at these numbers, Jay, and this is from January 1, 2022 until January 1, 2023. So the numbers I gave you before are accurate from sheep numbers, but those are uh, actual uh, breeding animals. If you include the mix of, of animals, total market animals, if you just look at market animals... <laughs> Colorado is barely second behind California, and Texas is third. California is number one? Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. That surprises me. That I'm going to have to start paying closer attention. Yeah. Uh, Col- well, Colorado, you know, you've got superior farms with that plant in Davis. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, you just need to think about where the animals actually are, are being turned into final product. And, uh, and, and, uh, yeah. Okay. That does make sense. So when you combine the breeding animals with the market animals, Texas is, propels itself, but it's because they have the animals, um, in breeding, like you just mentioned, San Angelo is a great area to have sheep and goats, right. the breeding animals, but it's not so good yeah. to feed them out. Right. Yeah. No, sand and fleece are, are, uh, not friends. Yeah. Now we're down to the last minute and a half that we've stumbled through all the sheep and goat talk in the last segment. What do you, what's your Thanksgiving message for everybody listening, Jay Truitt? Hey, I didn't really think about it, but I am thankful for a lot of things. Uh, I'm thankful for a creator and uh, and uh, somebody that cared enough to uh, uh, give us the reason that we do Christmas uh, after a little while, right? And uh, I, you know, the the reality. The reality of all of it is, is that these are the times of the year that you can figure out that family matters. And in the end, that may be one of the few things that really does. And we spend a lot of time on this show, everything else that we do in life, talking about how government matters or or this matters or the rest of it. And, you know, it's it's really not what it's about. It is about family and so i hope everybody gets a chance to spend time with people that they really care about that love them and that they love over this week it's uh it's a blessing i know for a fact that jesus was born in september if you want to look at the caesar calendar yep but i think there was a (laughs) tremendous amount of wisdom in bringing thanksgiving and the celebration of Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, right. to the end of the year so that we can take a moment, pause, and think about what's truly important. And Jay Truett just nailed it, the people and the family around us. We've yep. successfully journeyed down that path, connecting food producers to food consumers. For Jay Truett, Trent Luce, we both remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route. And before I let you get away, I want to remind you, I just gave a little tidbit there of information about the National Western. The truth of the matter is this is going to be a grand event. It's going to be the feel of the old National Western. We're going to celebrate resource providers, and we're going to talk about what's important going forward. We're also going to have the All-American Beef Battalion serving one-pound ribeyes to the veterans and folks who are participating in the bread female sale, the historic bread female sale that is going to be on January the 6th in the yards 
you're going to want to be a part of this. More details about that, plus all of, including the Pink Out Rodeo. How many rodeo performances can I attend in the month of January? That's the question of the day. January 6th through 21, National Western, see you in Denver.